All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Can you see it? Did you notice? Check for the puck comes right to Pedersen who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice At arm's You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes beat reporter here. Like, I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network Podcast and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in a downtime. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. (laughs) 
Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word, Hockey Season. That will get you $5 off your order at ZephyrEpic.com, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic. Follow them on all platforms. They've got you covered when it comes to your trading card needs. Yu-Gi-Oh! Digimon. Do they sell Digimon still? Magic. Magic. I don't think they sell Digimon I don't think anymore. Digimon's a thing anymore. Pokemon, sports cards, they've got you covered. Go check them out. Zephyr Epic. Zephyr Epic also ships free anywhere in Canada from... From Bella Coola to Belleville, have Ontario. Have you done that one before? No. Well, you, yeah, okay. I don't think you have. I think you... I don't know, because I got a you, list here. I normally cross them off right after. You may have used Bella Coola before, but regardless... Bella Coola is a great name. I, you, you can use that yeah, one twice. I, I'm okay with that. You're absolutely right. Zephyr Epic ships free on any order over $50, so go check them out. We are also delivered to you by the great folks at DoorDash. Ding dong. Use promo code CONVODD, capital C, capital D's, all one word, CONVODD. That will get you 25% off and free delivery on your first order with the DoorDash app. Does not get much better than that, folks. My name is David Quadrelli. I am joined, as always, by the man who built the place wearing shorts that actually match his t-shirt today, Chris Faber. Yep, I'm not wearing my uh, my orange top, my traffic cone top, as nope. you call it. Yep. Shorts, it felt like today was the day. To really crank them out and, and be out in the sun. We were expecting to go golfing today. That didn't happen. You got the five-inch inseam. I don't know what that is. But You're doing great. Yeah. These are um, these are apparently like the, the, uh, the Costco version of Lululemon shorts. Oh. They are extremely comfortable. And what, the thing I've noticed, I got a pair of pants too. They got these little zipper pockets. Oh, These like hidden wow. little zipper pockets on the side of your pocket. But the actual pockets, horrible. Every time I sit down, my phone falls out of my pocket. Yeah. My keys fall out of my pocket. Been it's not a, not a good time there. But these are, I tell you, these are extremely comfortable shorts. And I, yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling good today. Feeling good, about the same as the Canucks are after a 7-1 win. That's yeah. how good I feel. Big show today. We have a lot to talk about. Where should we start, Chris? We've got a lot here. Do you want to start on that victory over the Calgary Flames? Just yep. get right into it. Let's do it. Okay. Well, first of all, we're not, are we, we're not dicking around. On any of uh, no pre preamble here, no, I nothing to so. bring up, right? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think we have a lot here. We've okay. got so much to talk about. So let's get into it. Nothing, eh? Nope. The Vancouver Canucks. <sighs> All right. No, no, no. We're hopping into hockey talk. We're All hopping right. into hockey talk today. I just whispered go for into the mic. Did a little ASMR there. ASMR here on Canucks Convo. The Vancouver Canucks with a seven to one victory over the Calgary Flames. Now, Chris. We had a little debate. I, I don't. I wouldn't even call it a debate, but you were ready to plan the parade after that win over the Kraken for some reason. And I pointed out that not one Canuck said, "Yeah, this was a good game by us. We played great. It was we found a way to win." That was all they said. That game against Calgary, JT Miller referred to that win as the bar. Anything less than that is not good enough. Now they know what they're capable of. They need to play like that every night here here out if they're going to win. And make the playoffs. That sentence made no sense whatsoever, but you know what I mean. You got there. I did get there. I just had my brain had to catch up to my mouth. Yeah, and I mean that was a uh, that to me like I look back at that game. That was the best game so far this year, right? Yeah. Best like play, best you know show best of jerseys. dominance, best jerseys, everything. Like it felt like that was the potential that the Canucks can reach when all of their players are going, and you know. 
Jason Dickinson gets taken out of the game early on. They're missing a forward, and they still put out an effort like that against a team that's won what? They were they were coming in with 10 straight wins, or were they going for their 10th win? It doesn't really matter. Ten, still, 10 straight wins. 10 straight that wins. That's going to be their 11th. You come in here, and you, you know, Vancouver just puts a whacking on them. It was good yeah, stuff, man. Like, through and through. JT Miller with four points, and I, I've liked, I really liked the play of Huglander and Pod Coles, and I know that Bruce Boudreaux gave him some praise later on. Uh, uh, Post game, yeah. uh, it's kind of the final answer that Boudreaux actually gave, but I liked those two. Um, basically, liked everything about the Vancouver Canucks, like through and through. Like, what could you not like about that game? It was excellent. Yeah, absolutely. And you're writing an article right now that'll be up on Canucks Army when this podcast comes out, so you can go read that at CanucksArmy.com. I wrote an article at Canucks Army, but we'll get to it during my prospect report, which will come later in the show. It's prospect and goaltending together, so my two worlds are colliding, so we'll get to that. But there's one thing that I wanted to highlight about that game, Chris, and it was just that last show, you and I talked about Elias Pettersson being back, and you showed a little bit of reluctance to say that Elias Pettersson was back, and I honestly don't even blame you for that. I had the same reluctance earlier in the year, but I think now, 10 points in his last four games, are you ready to say Elias Pettersson's back? Yeah, I liked it last night. I mean, still only played 17 minutes, but the the top guys didn't get a lot of run in the last you know 10 minutes of play. But 17 minutes of ice time, almost five minutes power play time, scores a shorthanded goal as well. Like, yeah, just seeing Elias Pettersson get involved in a hockey game. Like he put up three points yesterday, and that was great. But on top of that, it just felt like it did feel yesterday like we've seen one of those games where he. And it felt like a lot of Canucks took over, but Elias Pettersson was part of the takeover. Like he wasn't just like an observer exactly. and just watching as the team went on and dominated. He was a big driving force of why they dominated. And that's the way that we see Elias Pettersson when he's playing his top potential. Yesterday, just it was a good feeling. Just seeing, obviously, the game was great, but to me, like that was the biggest takeaway from the game was seeing Elias Pettersson be back at that 100% where he's delivering, putting up three points, taking shots, being good defensively getting time on the PK, you know, setting up his line mates, just everything. It, it felt like to me, it wasn't even really like the power play goal was a thing that like sealed it. And that's what my tweet was all about, but it wasn't just that that sealed it. Like there was, there was just play him driving play was what sealed it yesterday. It felt like that was a game where that needs earlier in the year. Trent call said something about jet woo, where he said, now that I've seen a game like that from him, that's the expectation moving forward. That that example yesterday, like he's not going to score three points every game, but that level of effort and that level of driving play, that should be the expectation for Pedersen for the rest of the season. And he's going to have down games and he's going to have better games than that. But I feel like that's the expectation that you should have for a high-end game from Elias Pedersen. And you want to have 50 to 60 high-end games. If you're that good of a player, you're, you're at Pedersen's level and level of potential. You need 50 to 60 of those games. Yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing that I noticed in Patterson's game that made me kind of say, okay, he's for sure back. And I'm going to offer an alternate reality. And I'm going to offer the alternate reality of the goal that was scored shorthanded. When Patterson intercepted a puck at the blue line, the Vancouver blue line, as the Flames were trying to break in, went the other way. If this is the start of the season or even, hell, even a month and a half ago when we were seeing Patterson play, he maybe breaks up that pass, but then he probably falls over and doesn't follow up on the play, right? This time, intercepts the puck, quickly gets up and goes the other way, takes the puck with him. In this alternate reality, say he even completes that much. In this alternate reality, he goes for the wrist shot, loses the puck, fans on the shot, something like that. In reality, 
Pedersen not only takes the puck away, skates up the ice, looks off Bo Horvat, who's trying to streak to be part of a two-on-o. Pedersen, just with all the confidence in the world, of the confidence that you would expect of somebody wearing a black skate jersey, oh, just head up, has the puck on a string, rips the puck far side on Dan Vladar, and makes that game 5 nothing. I, I think the first thing you mentioned there was just the initial... This is what we didn't see at the start of the year was the initial ability to handle that puck and change it from just a turnover yep. into a turnover that got dangerous because yep. he was able to handle the puck and burst out of the gate and be able to beat the defenseman who was in line with him at the time when he made the turnover. All year long, it felt like that situation, that's where he'd fumble the puck and the defenseman would be able to yep. get a stick on him. But he, boom, picks it up clean, gets a f- strong five, six strides away to the center ice area where he's ahead of the defenseman. At that point, it was it was game on, and you mentioned it. Then you get to the point where he takes a shot, and the confidence is already high with the kid who's been playing really good hockey of late. Yeah, this this is the the point where it's like you're at the end of the turn, and you're hopefully about to see the next you know straightaway here for Elias Pettersson to put into sport mode. Yeah, over his as last, John Shorehouse would say, over his last four games, and I know he's not going to keep this up, probably not. But over his last four games, he's producing at a ninety-seven point pace. That's closer to the pace that fans are expecting of Elias Patterson. I know those are lofty expectations, but that's what fans are expecting, right? And, and not that high necessarily, but at least a point per game, and that's not what he was doing earlier. So he has a serious yeah, chance to I mean, salvage this season. 13 points in his last seven. That's yeah, that's pretty damn impressive. Absolutely. And it's 150-point pace. Exactly. Doing the other, rough math there. There you go. 150-point pace over his last seven. And the other thing that I did notice... On that 2-on-0 with Horvat, and I don't even want to call it 2-on-0 because Patterson just shot the puck. Like, didn't even look to Bo. But earlier in the season, I think we may have seen Patterson slow up and try and find that pass, and then he's telegraphing way too much what he's going to do. Defenseman's able to catch up to him. Dan Vladar is able to get set and know that the cross-crease pass coming, really dig that edge in and get across to stop Horvat. Maybe even bobbles the puck there. Like, those were the plays that we were seeing from Elias Pettersson earlier in the year, but this is the kind of play that that shows he's playing with so much confidence that we saw in the first two years of his career, right? Where he has that confidence, just walk in, knows exactly where the puck is with his head up, and just absolutely rips the puck home. That's the kind of confidence you need to see from Elias Pettersson before you say something like he's back. And that's why I'm very comfortable saying now Elias Pettersson is in fact back. And it was good to see all the big guys get going. I mean, Garland had a nice goal as well. JT Miller with the four points. Uh, who, who else had it? Bo Horvat had a couple. You know, lots of chatter about all everyone getting traded here. But uh, good performance from all the guys on the trade block, apparently. Um, and then Dickinson leaves the game. And I don't know. It, there wasn't much of an update post-game, right? Like, it wasn't. No. So Dickinson's going to go for screening today. Boudreaux said of the hit uh, from Eric Goodbranson that... He didn't really think it was dirty, and he just he went into the boards awkwardly. I, I thought it was a little bit, no need to upend him, but I also think Good Branson definitely thought that Dickinson was going to go slash at the goaltender because uh, the puck was a little bit loose. So that's why Good Branson kind of upended him. I thought it was a little bit dirty, like quietly dirty. Just not, one of those plays that when you're that far away from the boards. It was one of those plays, exactly. And it's not, it's not dirty in the sense of, oh, it should be a suspension. It was just like, uh, it was after the whistle. Well, it was at the whistle, I think, and I don't, I don't know. I, I'm kind of with Boudreaux that it wasn't, uh, wasn't anything crazy, but definitely wasn't the cleanest play I've ever seen. No, and I mean yeah. Dickinson will be updated, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I don't think it. Well, we'll see. It looked like it felt like a. Did he say arm? 
Did Boudreaux say arm in the post no, game? Because it looked didn't. like a hip. No, he didn't say arm. Okay. I thought he just went into the boards awkwardly. Uh, That's all we know. He's going to go for screening today. We're recording this on a Friday going for uh, screening. We should have an answer shortly. Canucks are going to practice tomorrow in New York. They had a travel day today. So no update on Dickinson at the time of this recording. But when there is one, best believe it'll be on CanucksArmy.com. Yep. As per usual. Hey, big game Sunday uh, against the Rangers here. You know. This is a big spot. Uh, obviously, is the I think this is the spot that everyone's been looking at for JT Miller. I still like. I've been saying it for a while now. I still like the Kings. I yeah. like the Kings as a trade partner. Well, the Kings got named named by uh, Elliot Friedman. So yeah, I've been saying Kings are a better line, a better trade partner this whole time. But yeah, it'll be interesting. Sunday, uh, four thirty game. Right, it's an early one against uh, the Rangers. They're a late one, I guess. There in in New York, it's seven thirty. Yeah, Ranger time. Ranger time. and. Uh, yeah, it'll be. I think it's a it's a showcase game coming off of four points for JT Miller, and I know that we'll get to that in our poll question. By Top the way, a new 10. sponsor yes. for the poll question, Atlas Goods. We're talking pork rinds. Squads. We are talking pork rinds. We'll We're talk about more, we'll talk about more in the uh, yeah in, when we do the poll question here. But Can I, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say you mentioned the four point nine from JT Miller. We had an article run on Canucks Army this past week called Eleven Assets the Toronto Maple Leafs Can Give Up." For JT Miller, because apparently the the Leafs are linked to JT Miller in some regard. They're really not that interested, I don't think. It doesn't sound like they want to give up much. Leafs fans don't want JT Miller. They're sending back his career points per game. Like, when did he get more valuable than Eichel and all this stuff and like career numbers, not first line numbers, but you know, we we pointed out that he's getting more. He's gotten more points. <laughs> Then Mitch Marner in the playoffs, obviously, making like half as much as everybody on that Maple Leafs roster that the Leafs fans expect to score in the playoffs. They don't, but the ones they expect to score in the playoffs, making half as much. And Leafs fans don't want him. Leafs fans like, you keep him. We don't want him here. So, okay, no problem. I just thought that was hilarious and had to point it out. Yeah, you know what? I also have heard similar things about Rangers fans yes about JT Miller just because they have an idea of what JT Miller yes. is like he's because, so lazy because he played there and it was you know it was something actually harm harms has talked about this a lot because yeah. I know harm had the story about uh, JT Miller but uh, he was just saying that like you know it, it is tough because there was a lot of learning done by JT Miller after he left the Rangers and was so young at the time and yeah, the fans, that's why I don't think a lot of fans are very high on JT Miller in both those markets for, for similar reasons, just that they have an idea of this player that they're on the East Coast. They don't know. Like, they're not staying up to watch these games, watch JT Miller when he's on. He is. There's a reason why he's so high and up in scoring for the NHL, right? Like, I don't know. First, I just, a lot of things to me, it just makes more sense to make it, make this deal with the LA Kings. Yeah, if you're moving JT Miller, and that's the thing is, and let's I don't not think- let's not go deep deep here into that. We got a Miller chat on the other side. Yeah, we've we've got a lot. What else do you want to do first here? Well, I, I actually did want to at least highlight Madison Bowie's article that he oh. wrote on the Players Tribune. Really, really good article. Maybe you can help me with this. How how do they write these Player Tribune? Does a writer like get with? Yes, yes. It's not I the tell players you. themselves, right? But I think a lot of this you could obviously tell it came from Madison Bowie. He maybe didn't sit down and write the thing. Yeah, himself, sorry, I should but- clarify. It's not like they have a they, yeah, yeah. Like for example, Luongo wrote the piece in the Players Tribune. Drance was behind that. Yeah. Drance wrote that. Okay, um, but 
they sit down with the player. And, you know, maybe we'll have Tom on the show one time uh, to talk about it. Hello, thank you for calling Thomas. He never Trent. picks up. Never picks up, but maybe one time he'll answer our call. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk to Tom about the process that goes into that. But I do know uh, that he was the writer of the Luongo uh, retirement article that he wrote. So, you know, Madison Bowie, I'm sure, had something similar. Um, again, it comes from the player, but, you know, the sentence structure and all that sort of stuff. Like, I'm sure it gets either cleaned up or written by someone else uh, speaking through the player, right? If the player's speaking through that writer. So this was a really good article by Madison Bowie. Uh, I saw someone tweeted. Someone was like, this is better than anything anybody in the Vancouver media has written this season. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> they might Prob- be right. Probably, yeah. They might be right. And that's no knock on the Vancouver media. I think it was just a really good article. It was. Um, it was. It was. It's titled, Hockey Has Always Been Black. You can read it on theplayerstribune.com. Uh, I retweeted it recently. I think you did as well, Chris. And you uh, don't have to pay for like the athletic. This is free. <laughs> Just take a shot at the athletic. Just saying it's free and it's a great article. It is. It is a really good article. Uh, you know, he talks about an experience he had when he was playing high level hockey in Edmonton, uh, in Edmonton mall at the time, uh, the little ice palace there. Wow. So he was talking, I think he was like 12 or something. I can't remember exact age. He said, um, Oh, it was a 10 and under tournament rather. I should have said, um, and yeah, just something a parent said to his, his dad, because uh, Bowie was the best player on the ice and that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, he gives a gives a little bit of a history uh, into the game of hockey and the um, impact that the black communities had on it. The butterfly goaltending style is one of them that you rightfully pointed out, which wow. is fantastic. I think I should dedicate a whole goalie segment to that, uh, talking about how that started and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, like he said, it goes back at least as far as 1895, and he's got... Uh, Got a lot to say, which is awesome. So on top of that, the Canucks had a little roundtable video as well, and it was kind of interesting to hear the three players speak on what it's like to have three black players on the team and to see what it's like out there in Abbotsford. Like it's something that they want to work on together, and it's I think it's a really interesting spot because Justin Bailey's a guy who's you know very very like confident and comfortable in front of the media and speaking what his thoughts are yeah specifically on abbotsford like he'll he'll give you straight truth out there in abbotsford bowie as well stevens i haven't really dealt with a lot uh this year so i can't really speak on how much he is but bowie's an excellent i mean these are three guys that i think want to be leaders in this department and it would be excellent to to have that happen out in abbotsford i think it's great and i think this story by by madison bowie is awesome like it man it's so worth the read i know maybe you don't if you're listening to the show, maybe you're not a big articles person. Maybe you just like podcasts. I, I would take some just a few minutes out of your day to read it. It, it taught taught me some things. It, it opened my eyes to certain things. It's it's totally worth it on the Players Tribune. Straight up, just go to Twitter and search at Madison Bowie, or go to Google and search at Madison Bowie. I'm sure it's the first thing that comes up. It's it's worth the time, even if you're not an articles person. Yeah, really good article. Uh, and obviously, it's Black History Month, uh, so we just wanted to highlight that because uh, the Canucks celebrated it the other day with the. Uh their jerseys. Those jerseys are so nice. And, and you know what? This just segues into a nice conversation Hold on. because this, this is the best warm-up slash game-worn jersey combo in the history of hockey. I kindly disagree. What? Yeah, I kindly disagree. To what? Actually, no. I, well, I was going to say the, the Lunar New Year ones, the ones you have with Erickson on the back. I, I like tell that you, one. Did I tell you I ordered another one? Did you? Yeah. What is it? 
Take take a guess what player I ordered for Tyler Myers. Yeah, I got a Tyler Myers <laughs> Tiger Lunar New Year jersey coming in. <laughs> well, those are nice too, but I really like the Rat one because they used the skate logo, yep. right? And they made it the Rat. I like that one, but again, they wore it with blue pants. So you're probably right. The I think the ones they wore with the black pants. Not only in Canucks history, but I think NHL history. This is the best warm up to game worn jersey duo set you've you'll ever see. Okay. I, I find it hard to disagree, actually. It was a very nice jersey. And it, it brings up a good conversation because a lot of people are talking about, okay, bring back the skate full time. I'm not in that camp, Chris. I say that the skate is nice in moderation. You don't want to lose the magic of the skate because it seems like Canucks play great every time they wear it by making them go full time, especially when you have this team. I don't think it's a good move. But that black skate look with the Orca... So similar to what they did with the Black History Month jerseys that they just wore. Obviously, they're not going to have yet yellow, red, and green in there. But the black orca looked pretty good. Like, blacking out the orca looked pretty good, I must say. So, you know, kind of rethinking the skate. Like, you you make the orca jersey black. And you kind of go off that and see what you can come up with. Like maybe even it's black with like some green tint. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just spitballing, but I, I, don't, I don't. I don't think bringing back the skate is the answer. I think you keep the jerseys the way they are, but you. I think you gotta you, bring the black back. I think you bring back the black skate as a third jersey. Yeah, that's what I you think. Do. It's and you wear than, it like 20 times in a season or something. Ooh, yeah. I well, not 20. I guess 20. you only play like 40 something home games. So no, not I'd that. say I think you can max out at like 12 times. Yeah, I think. And you're right. then I think what you do is you're down 0-2 in a playoff series. Boom. Yeah. I don't care if you're on the road, you're wearing the black skate. You wear the black skate when you need it well, in the playoffs. The NHL would care. Well, yeah. no, you tell the NHL <laughs> to shove it. You'll pay the fine. Francesco's got the money. He's throwing it around lately. Yeah, he has been actually. Hiring on all these contributors at Canucks.com. <laughs> you want to talk about that? <laughs> Did I, no, we I haven't talked about it on the that. show. Go ahead. Yeah, I was trying to hide it for a little bit, especially, <laughs> especially for, for a little bit. But And maybe I lied to everybody on Twitter and said I didn't get hired. I didn't get hired as a full-time job. A lot of people were asking that, too. Like, oh, congrats. Like, we're going to miss your work. Stefan, your freaking boy over there. He's like, oh, lolly do. He's in tears over Twitter as he's typing up a thank you and thanks for the memories t- tweet that he sends out. I'm not leaving Canucks Army. He, he wishes. But I... <laughs> Uh, it's going to be fun. I'm going to do licking his chops. Yeah. Wants those favor paychecks. Yeah, exactly. No, he's not getting that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to do some, some AHL stuff for them. I'm going to do some prospect stuff, have some, some fun ideas that, uh, that I pitched to them uh, and the director of content over there uh, at Canuck sports and entertainment. And yeah, they, they want to go forward with some of these cool prospect ideas. And like, you know, you know me, I, I'm one of the top prospect guys in this uh, market quads behind you, of yeah, course, right apparently yeah. right behind you. Yeah, so, Canucks have also approached me to write the same articles as you, but capitalize some more stuff and yeah, add emojis. Yeah, they want to allow emojis in their articles for you. No, uh, so yeah, there's going to be some cool things with prospects, um, especially like some overseas guys, uh, and do some some cool stuff with, hopefully, the Canucks scouting staff getting involved a little bit, yeah. hear what they liked from a player. I think that would be a really cool idea for articles. And then, obviously, some stuff about the AHL will be the consistent yeah. thing. So, yeah. Expect to see my name on some articles here and there on uh Well, congratulations. Canucks. I am really com. happy for you. Obviously, that's really Thank cool. Thank you, yeah. That segues perfectly, actually, into our next conversation here. Overhaul in Abbotsford. That's what Satyar Shah is reporting. He's not reporting. I clarify with Sat. 
He is not reporting that they're going to change up the coaching staff immediately or anything like that. They are going to change the way they do things out in Abbotsford from a developmental perspective, and I think that's what you want to see. Again, Cami Granado is going to be overseeing this department. She is going to be overseeing the amateur and pro scouting departments, uh, I believe, and I believe Ryan Johnson is now reporting to her as well. Hmm. See, that part I would find interesting if, if Ryan Johnson's reporting to her. I, I don't, from my understanding, Ryan Johnson is very happy. I don't know if happy is the right word. He's very invested into Trent Cole and the coaching staff that they have there. The players, they, listen, the players, they love Trent Cole. They love Gary Agnew. Like, you just hear the way that they talk about these players or these coaches. The players down in Oxford love these two guys, but we haven't seen a lot come through the pipeline. And I do think that a lot of it is to the degree of what we've seen be put into the pipeline. There hasn't been a lot coming out of it because there hasn't been a ton put into it. When when you have so many players like Brock Besser, Leas Patterson, Niels Huglander, Vasily Pod Coles, and Quinn Hughes, all these players go straight to the NHL, you are going to miss a lot of prospects in the AHL. They have prospects in the AHL now. Like Danila Klimovic, he's an NHL prospect. Jack Rathbone, he's an NHL prospect. Mikey DiPietro and Archer Seedlaws, NHL prospects. Like these... They now have a pipeline that is having things put into it. I don't think that they had a ton put into it before. And I, I I think that Ryan Johnson wants to give this coaching staff a chance. Will the new regime think the same? I'm not so sure. And you mentioned if, if Cami Granado is overseeing it and she has a better idea for something, there may be changes. But I, I'm pretty sure that Ryan Johnson... I feel like I, I don't know this 100%, but I... <laughs> from people that I trust who have talked to me about the situation, RJ is pretty happy with, with moving forward with Trent calls the coach. He He's not looking to make a change anytime soon. Yeah, exactly. And it's nice that, you know, there's more collaboration now, obviously, like I said, Cameron Granado is going to be overseeing player development, pro and amateur scouting. She's going to be involved with all of that. And, and now there's no excuses either. They're in Abbotsford. They're down the road. They're not across the continent anymore. They're, they're, if they don't develop and do a good job over the next couple of years, then then there could be changes. But yeah. I, I do think that they are they're wanting they're wanting to rock with Call. Like the players love Call, man. The players really do love Trent Call, and they love Gary Agnew, the assistant coach, yeah. Mackenzie Braid, the skating coach. They love working with it. There's a, like and then the goalies. They love like they the staff that's down there is beloved by all the players. Yeah, they like, they you love were bring the up Curtis there. Sanford there too. Exactly. Like that's what I'm saying. They all the coaches down there get very high praise from the players, but people looking at Utica over the past few years, yeah. They haven't developed enough for you to praise. So maybe now that they're in the backyard and they're getting more money put into them, you know, they have full-time scouting coaches, they have full-time analytics guys, video coaches. Now the expectations should be higher because maybe there wasn't even an expectation before. You know, yeah. Before it was, um, it was being run by by Utica. Like it wasn't being run by the Vancouver Canucks. Now it's all in house. Like, yeah. The Canucks are running the show now. They're running the Abbotsford Center. They're running everything out there. So like, I I think that there has to be expectations moving forward. But I don't know if there was expectations over the past couple of years. To be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we'll cut to break. On the other side, we've got a poll question with a new sponsor, and then we're going to talk a little bit more about Abbotsford later in the show when I bring up my prospects report. Talk about goaltenders as well. So keep it locked, keep it loaded on Canucks Conversation.
And before we go any further into the episode, want to give a shout out to Parallel 49 Brewing. You guys can find Parallel 49 Beer all across BC and Alberta. And right now we want to give a quick shout out to the Unparalleled Pack featuring four of the P49 favorites. The Trash Panda, the Filthy Dirty, the Jerkface 9000, and the Hillbilly Ninja. My favorite of the four there, the Jerkface 9000, the Pink Can. Something good about those cans there at Parallel 49. So go out and try them. You can find them in most liquor stores across BC and Alberta. And a massive thank you to Parallel 49 Brewing Company. And folks, if you want to advertise with us, shoot us a message. We've got a new sponsor here, Atlas Goods. We're very excited. You can use the promo code CC15 to get 15% off your first order. These are so good. We we absolutely love them. And it's our poll question. I'll bring up the poll question first. First, talk about Atlas Goods. Listen, man, I've had pork rinds before because every two or three years, I'd be like, you know what? I'm going to try pork rinds. So I'd buy them in store and I, I would take two bites and I'd say, uh, no, no, thanks. I don't like pork rinds. But now these came and I was blown away. Okay, they, they, they show up in a big, huge bag with like 30 servings of pork rinds in them and you air fry them. I was blown away how little amount. The, I don't know. You did the same. Yeah. You put a handful down in there, and it fills up the whole damn air yeah. fryer. Yeah. And the fre- when they're fresh, oh they are a hundred times better than the pork rinds you get in a bag. Like, like not even comparable. It, it felt oh, yeah. like a different food. And it was like they're warm, but like crispy like a chip. Oh, like, I don't so know if you've ever, have you ever been. This is a, I don't Maybe this is a, not the way to talk about it. But like you go to a, a Mexican restaurant. And you get the fresh tortilla chips, yeah. and they're like warm. Oh yeah, that's what the that's kind of like what these pork yeah. rinds are. And you can make them in the microwave, make them in the oven. Apparently, yeah, you don't need an air fryer. They were good but in the microwave. My dad made them in the microwave, and he loved them. Say, let me just say though, do it in the air fryer first yes. if you got it. And then what you do after, you get some of the popcorn seasoning. There's a little. I don't even know if this is on the website or something, but you get some <laughs> of that going off the cuff. Well, I'm just saying, you get some of the popcorn seasoning, white cheddar popcorn seasoning, or whatever you want, salt and vinegar, and you sprinkle a little bit of that on after it just comes out of the air fryer. Oh, I t- man. <laughs> this stuff blew me away. I had it all Super Bowl weekend, and they were excellent. It's yeah, good. You, They're good. Yeah, you can get 15% off with our order. They deliver within the same day delivery if you're in the lower mainland, but across Canada as well. Um, all orders are free over $50. You can go to atlasgds.com and use our promo code CC15. A lot more information on social media here. But super excited. They're going to sponsor the poll question for the next uh, little bit here. Yeah, we're super excited. And Go check out yeah, Atlas Goods. Listen, don't uh, don't knock pork rinds until you try them like this when they're fresh. Exactly. Because they, they show up in their little pellets of meat. Yeah. You like, least, don't expect it at all. It looks like uh, if you took like scissors and cut a piece of beef jerky up yes, and exactly. then air fried it. Yep. It's excellent. Oh, it's so good. You, you got to try this, people. Just yep. try it. Believe me. So go check it out. Atlas Goods. Our air episode- fryer. Little, you go to Colonel's. You get some white, white cheddar uh, little powder. That's all. That's what I'm talking about right there. All right, episode 241 poll question now brought to you by Atlas Goods. Again, go check them out. Use promo code CC15. To get Listeners of the show off. too. Yes, fifteen percent. I hope off. that ad was okay. Yeah. <laughs> Hit me we up. We just kind of went for it. Email me there. Yeah, we just went for it. So hope that ad was good with you guys. But fresh off another four point night, do you want to see JT Miller traded? You wrote trade, but that's okay. I didn't proofread this poll. No, it's I, because I ran out of letters. I, I got exactly. <laughs> Was it 240? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I got 240, and I was like, ah, I can miss. I can make one spelling That's mistake. That's fine. Here. Yes. So the the answer is yes, get a haul back. No, try to sign slash keep him. And as always, I'm angry. Chris, right now, 71% of people saying yes, get a haul back. 22% say no, try to sign slash keep him. And 7% say I'm angry. Your thoughts on this? Yeah, I'll tell you what. 
I, I thought this was more just from the dialogue online. This, this is a good example of sometimes the loudest voices don't represent a lot of the voices. You know, some people, there's a lot of people out there that don't want to trade JT Miller. It feels like it, but now we see the poll results here. Only what? 21%, 21% of people saying no. I thought it was more 50, 50. I I'm glad to see that the Canucks fan base, a lot of them understand what type of return JT Miller can get. Like, man, you think about the return that he can bring back. He can set up like multiple parts of this team moving forward. Like he can set up, maybe you lose. So you lose your top line winger. Who's a point per game player, but now you have a top four defenseman. Now you have a third line center. Now you have a, a prospect who can somewhere fit into a top four or top six. That's a huge boost to an organization. If things hit and work out and now even all the pieces need a hit. Let's say two of the pieces hit. You get a top four defenseman who can play with Quinn Hughes, a right shot guy. And then you also get, a, say, a third line center that is a trusty third line center who can give you depth scoring moving forward. You also have cap space to play with, with JT Miller. Because listen, this year at $5 million, great deal. Next year at $5 million, excellent deal. After that, you're not getting JT, you're not getting the same value anytime when you're paying a player, let's say Miller somewhere into 8 to $10 million. You're not getting the same value on the contract like that. So to think that this, the return that you can get for JT Miller is so high and it's just, it's, you know, 4.9 last night. It's getting higher by the day. It feels like, or at least maybe his value isn't going up in Canucks fans eyes, but around the league, his value has to go up because they're obviously not evaluating him at, at what Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin want back. Because from all the reports we've heard, the asking price for JT Miller from the Canucks management is very high as it should be. We're four weeks out, is, less than four weeks out from the play, from the trade deadline. Now, you should have a high ask for him at this point. Three weeks from now, you get the final few days here. That's when you really start saying, "Okay, what's your final offer?" Then, how close can you get to what we want? And then you see who gets closest, and maybe that's the move that you make at the trade deadline. Maybe you don't. Maybe you wait till the draft when twenty teams are in instead of maybe seven or eight right now. This is a team, or this is a player, rather. Excuse me. That is top 10 in scoring right now. Like top 10, Chris. Only Jim Benning could put together a team that has a player that is top 10 in scoring and is the probably the best move to move him, even though he signed to a team-friendly deal for this year and next year. Only Jim Benning could do that. So I must say that I actually do see a little bit of value in keeping him. And maybe he's one of these players that ages like Joe Pavelski. And you don't want to give that kind of player up. Now, I understand that his next contract is going to be huge, but I know it's hard to predict, but do we see JT Miller slowing down anytime soon? I I honestly don't know if I do. And I know age is against him here, but what if he's one of those players? I I know you can't base your decisions for a billion-dollar organization organization based on what-ifs, but man, like... (sighs) I think when you give up players, the player you're hoping to get in return, you're ho- if, if he becomes half the player that JT Miller is, that's a win because you're also adding a first round pick and you're adding this other these other assets. But like the player you're getting back, the chances of them being another JT Miller like impact player for you at any point in their career, it's pretty slim. Yeah, it's it's to me it's not that's not all what it's about though. It's about. You're right. It's about flexibility with cap space. It's about, hey, if you trade that $5 million, 
can you eat a $5 million contract also at the draft so that you can get another first round pick? Yeah, you're right. Like the Hurricanes did to get the first round pick out of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like there's so many options, not only in the return that you're getting, but the cap space gives you almost as much as well. Can you sign players on one year deals with that cap space so that maybe you can flip at next year's deadline again and get more picks? Like there's, there's so much flexibility for not only trading Miller right now for what you get in return, because you're going to get prospects. You're going to get picks. It's going to be a great return. It's going to be exciting. And then you have $5 million that you're comfortable giving Brock Besser that deal moving forward, starting to have a conversation with Bo Horvat, you know, uh, in July about what his next deal looks like. And I think you're getting him in a team friendly deal. And like I said, exploring free agency this off season on some one year deals, because this is a smart, a very smart guy in Jim Rutherford, who is going to be running this team as a president down to Patrick Alvin as well. And obviously everybody on, in that management group, they can do some exciting things in free agency. I, I what, who did I talk about today? Max Domi down here for him. All we saw Bo Horvat just, you know, loving on Max him, loving himself some Max Domi the other day on Tim and friends here on Sportsnet TV. You know, that's an option who you can probably get for cheap and then explore some other, hopefully t- like Thomas Vanek type players that you can get on one year deals. who can help playoff teams. If you're not one next year, there, there's so many options if to move Jiller, JT Miller, but going into next season with JT Miller on your roster. Yeah. It makes your hockey team much better, but it doesn't, to me, it doesn't get you closer to a Stanley cup and that should be the ultimate goal. And that is You're the right. goal for this management group and this president. They don't care about sneaking into the playoffs. Yep. They don't want the Cinderella run to be the Cinderella run that gets you into the playoffs. They want the Cinderella run to be when your team is good enough to get a playoff spot. And then you use the Cinderella run to get to the Stanley cup final. That's when you want the Cinderella run. You don't want it to get to the playoffs. Because you listen, you only get one Cinderella run every, what, five, six, seven, eight years, depending on your luck. Use that Cinderella run when you're in the playoffs already. Like, get your team to the point where they are a playoff team. Then hope for some luck. Because don't hope for luck to get you into the playoffs. That gets you nowhere. That gets you in the mushy middle. And you don't want to be... That's the last place you want to be as a hockey team. It's where the Canucks have been every year under it's, Jim Benning. Basically. It is the worst spot to be. It's the worst spot to be. Yeah. Not good enough to make the playoffs. Not bad enough to get high enough draft picks. I Man, you look at that 2023 draft and it's just like... Heck, Load up. You're going to watch Matthew Wood tomorrow, aren't you? Yeah, I am. Today, or today on the episode, you're going to watch Matthew Wood. I'm going to see him next month. That's another example of a guy in the 2023 draft who's ripping it up. Like there's so many good talented players in this draft coming up, man. I like next year. There's there's not a huge deal taking a step back next year because it's the perfect year to take a step back. But what do I know? Huh? What do I know? Quads, lots. But you know what you don't know? Prospects. So let me talk prospects. Oh God, Lucas Forcell, absolutely ripping it up. That's not actually my prospect report. Linus Carlson reportedly expected to sign with the Vancouver Canucks at the end of his SHL season. We don't know when that'll be because his team is very, very good. I don't think he's coming to North America this year. Okay, expand. Okay, so their season ends on March 24th. Yeah, yeah, March 24th. March 24th, his SHL season ends. They got playoffs. They're probably going to go a month in. So we're talking end of April. World Championships in May. He's probably going to that for Sweden. He's not, I don't think, no matter when he signs, he's not coming over to North America, I don't think. This year, I think he comes in next year at training camp. And listen, if he wows enough, and Linus, Linus Carlson has improved so much 
from the age of 20 to 21 and now 21 to 22 that it wouldn't shock me to see him wow again from the age of 22 to 23. He's going to turn 23 at the in November, I think, too. Mm. So he's a late birthday. He's 22, like freshly turned 22. He's going to come into training camp as a 22-year-old. This is the player that Jim Rutherford was just on radio last week talking about as the player that you would like to overseason in the in the AHL. Yes. They're going to get him over here next year, which is great news because he was on a two-year deal in the SHL. They're going to have to pay a, a pretty penny because there's a transfer rule with the SHL where I forget the exact number. You're paying, I think, six digits to get this player out of his contract so you can come over here, which is good. Nice that the Canucks are willing to pay that money to the SHL. They could have waited another year, but to get him over here is a good move. This is a smart move from the organization. Getting a player over here, get him in the AHL, you know, get him to training camp, see how he looks in training camp, give him a game on Pedersen's wing in preseason because he's he's earned that. I think he's that type of prospect who's earned that. But he's going to be in the AHL next year, and I, I said it on the last episode. He's had to prove himself. He did it in the All-Spenskin. Last year, he's done it in the SHL this year. Now, next year, he's got to do it in North America, and it's going to be the AHL. If he looks good in the AHL, then then he is 100% an NHL prospect because he's improved every year, and he's shown well at every league that they've tasked him with dominating in. So, coming next year, he's a right winger. Heck of a shot. Good release on him. He's going to get power play time. And we'll see. We'll see how he looks in the AHL next year. If he can keep up with the pace and the physicality, then, you know, they might have something in this game. Yeah. NHL future, you think? <sighs> Just too early to say, right? Because yeah. I, I was asked about Clay Stevenson today. I'll talk about Clay Stevenson. If you if you ask me, three prospects: Aiden McDonough, Linus Carlson, Lucas Forsell. Like right now, if I would say who could make like an impact on your fourth line, because I don't think any of these guys are top six players. Mm-hmm. I think because of what he's doing at such a young age, my pick would be Lucas Forsell. Mm. But Linus Carlson might, like for NHL future, he might be ahead of Aiden McDonough. So just to clarify, you say none of these guys are top six guys. You mean right now, not their future. None of them could be top six guys. I don't or is know. that what you mean? I don't know. They would, you know, they they would have to surprise me to become top six guys. I don't think the connect. I think the only top six, like. Potent, real NHL potential guy that they have might only be Danila Klimovic. That might be the only, but like, honestly, like, and that's not even saying the, like, everyone's like, oh, you like, look at the prospects that the Canucks have. I just put on an article the other day for Canucks Army saying prospects that I'm excited about. And they're all like, look, they're all just depth players. It's like, yeah, but you know what? Pod Colson's 20, Huglander's 21. Like, these guys are prospects too. Like, they're just, they're still so young in the NHL. I wrote this in the article that's going to come out today. The funny thing is, Niels Hoglander and Vasily Podkolzin's combined age is still younger than three players who are in the NHL right now. <laughs> if you combine their ages, they're still younger than Thornton. They're still younger than Chara. <laughs> like, that's how young these players are. Combining their age, they're still younger than some NHL players. So, like, I don't think people really... Like, it's strange to me how like how they get dumped on sometimes. And Pod Colson doesn't really because it's his rookie season. But mm-hmm. Niels Hugliner, even though he's so young in his sophomore year, he's still getting dumped on a little bit. And it's like, man, he is nowhere near hitting the mountain of where he's going to reach for his peak potential. He's so far away from that. But yeah, I think I would. I just, I just, I love the way that Lucas Forsell plays. I love that he's scoring goals, and I think 
he's got a motor, right? That's what you really like about him is that he just he he plays the game at such a high level, at such a high speed that it, that's going to get him places. And the fact that he has a scoring touch, that's a good thing as well. But he he's I wouldn't say physical, but he's like he's always his like a, the the way I can just say is like his motor is always going. Like he is always skating as hard as he can and getting involved in plays. That's that's a really good thing to see from a guy who grew up as like such a skilled player in the junior leagues that he actually has a high end motor. That's what you should be excited for. So if you listen, I love McDonough as a prospect. I think there's a lot of exciting things. I think Carlson has really impressed me this year, but out of the three, I would still say Lucas Forcell is the better depth prospect. Yeah, absolutely. He's 18 years old, 18, lots of time to grow for all these prospects, right? So to close out here, I want to talk about Clay Stevenson because today and if you've been listening to the show for a while, you've probably heard me talk about Clay Stevenson. I've talked about the Coquitlam Express a lot. That's my team. That's my BCHL team. I don't have an NHL team. We're not supposed to have NHL teams, Chris. But my BCHL team is Coquitlam Express. You know, you're an Animal Clippers fan. I got the Coquitlam Express. Covered them in 1920. Very memorable season. And that was backstopped by Clay Stevenson, who I've talked about before. Goaltender playing with Dartmouth uh, University right now. Or is it Dartmouth College? I don't know. Whatever it is. I feel like it's college. I think it's university. You think so? Yeah. I can look it up. You keep talking. I'll jump in here. It doesn't even matter. But anyways, Clay played in 1920 with the Coquitlam Express, 2019-20 season. He played with Coquitlam Express. That was my first year covering the team, first and only, I should say. But it was a very memorable season when that all happened. So basically what happened with Clay Stevenson was he had played his first two years the Coquitlam Express, and he was good, but he wasn't great. And then... In his third season, his 20-year-old season in 1920, when he was expected to be the guy. It's a college. Dartmouth College. There you go. When he was expected to be the guy, the number one <laughs> oh, netminder. Yeah, just, sorry, just reading it for the first time. Dartmouth. No, it's pronounced Dartmouth. Put a dart in your mouth. That's sorry. Okay, keep going. <laughs> My gosh. Good one. Dartmouth. Yes, Dartmouth. Dartmouth College he's playing for now. But in that third season, he was expected to be the guy in Coquitlam, right? And 10 days before the regular season was starting into the preseason here, 10 days before the regular season started, his mother, Holly, who was a paramedic at the time, was struggling with her mental health and she commits suicide. Clay found out about that from his younger sister who showed up at his billet family's house and she broke the news to him. His younger sister, again, he's the middle middle of three, three, three children, uh, two sisters. So... He got that news broke to him, and it was a really sad day. It was a really sad and hard time for Clay because his mom was very involved and was a huge supporter of his and just, you know, his number one fan, right? And that was that's really tough for any anyone to go through, but especially a 20-year-old, right? And when that happened, basically, I was talking to Express Captain, current Express Captain, Ryan Tattle, who was a rookie, at the time uh, when this happened. And this whole story that I'm talking about right now is up now at CanucksArmy.com. I'd appreciate it if you gave it a read. Uh, It's a good one. But basically, the whole team went to his mom's funeral. Clay spoke, and then Clay went to their game that night. He obviously didn't play, but he was still there rooting for his boys, and he was there at the rink and, you know, didn't want to leave his team. So he was there. Then he comes out, gets a shutout in his return to play, and it was just, that was the launching point for Clay's season. Clay goes on to, no doubt, 
win the goaltender of the year award in the BCHL, wins express team MVP, uh, was runner up for the league MVP award, lost out to Kent Johnson. Everybody obviously knows that name, six overall pick, uh, by the Columbus Blue Jackets in the 2021 NHL entry draft. Again, Port Moody native. I think he scored 101 points or something like that in 52 games. Really good prospect in Kent Johnson, but that was who Clay lost out on BCHL league MVP. If you want to know how good he was, in that year, the Express were a powerhouse and they were backstopped by Clay. Did not get to play, obviously, in the playoffs, unfortunately, because of the NCAA age rules. So that kind of sucked. But again, talked about that with Ryan Tattle, talked about that with Jacob Lazare, who I talked to for this story. And they both said, like, you know, Clay kept a good attitude through all of that and he was still a good veteran voice and he was still a leader on this team. So who was the player you talked to? Ryan Tattle. Man. Hearing him talk about Clay was like how how much of a leader and how like just impressed he was, like how it yeah. just felt like did he say at one point that he was like a father figure to them? He didn't say that explicitly, but he did say like I don't think Clay knows how much of an impact he had on me and many other rookies because because like I said, Ryan was a rookie on that team and he's the captain now. Now he's the captain of the Express. And you know, he's doing a lot of good stuff himself. Like, you know, the the score for cancer game is gonna happen this Sunday at Poirier. You know, that's all Ryan's doing. Ryan's uh Ryan's doing all that. And he actually is doing that for Greg LaPointe, who is, I believe, the leading scorer on the nineteen twenty team, got diagnosed with cancer uh very recently, playing wow. uh he's he's in the NCAA as well, I believe. I can't remember exactly what school he goes to, but yeah. Greg LaPointe uh, was one of the leading scorers, if not the leading scorer, on that 1920 team. Uh, and, you know, he got cancer, and Ryan started this whole score for cancer initiative um, with the Coquitlam Express. So they'll be wearing special jerseys on that game on Sunday, and that's all Ryan Tattle's doing. So, again, thanks to Ryan Tattle for speaking with me for this story because it was a really, really good quotes. Like, you heard the interview. Yeah. Like, you just said it was really good. So that's all I just want to say. Canucks are interested in this prospect, as are many other NHL teams. Probably a long shot for the Canucks to land him, but they are interested, and I'm very close to this situation, so I just wanted to at least talk about this because, you know, the opportunity to work with Ian Clark, I don't know Clay extremely well, but I do know he has good work habits, and I do know that he would probably... probably a kid who worked out around BC in the offseason. Obviously, you know, that's the type of thing where I guess Ian Clark wasn't around the offseason, but he'd probably hear a Brown. It's just oh, yeah. the goalie community's small, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Clay I'm knows sure, who Ian I'm Clark sure Woodley's is. given him a blocker over the years <laughs> or whatever it is. For, you hear Woodley yesterday on the yesterday or Thursday on the broadcast? No. At one point, oh yeah, you're at the game. So Merce like thirty seconds, Woodley, and in my mind I'm like, Yeah, right. <laughs> Woodley has to answer a question in thirty seconds. Sorry, keep sorry, go on. And how'd it go? Did Woodley handle it? Okay? You could tell he was like he was talking and he had a good pace, and then there was about twenty seconds in he started talking really fast. He tried to get his little points. He's like, and then the, the pads, the white piping on the outside, like it's like, hey, <laughs> shut up, Woodley. You're freaking you got freaking too much too in depth on the stupid goalie pad stuff again. <laughs> no, it was a fine it was a fine hit. Good for Woodley. You had a nice haircut. Yeah. Regardless, just wanted to bring that up. Canucks are interested in this prospect. Keep an eye on it. What do you think? Do you think like uh, kids from the BCHL would Vancouver be a team that because he's obviously playing at Dartmouth over in the East, so there's probably a lot of teams that are interested in him, like the Boston's and New York's, the regular, the people that because listen, I don't think a lot of people understand how many prospects that are like top NCAA prospects have gone to either Rangers camp or Bruins camp. They they always go to these prospects camps. Next time you see a, like a prospects camp list come out in the off season, look at the Rangers and look at the Bruins and look how many unsigned NCAA players they have. It's a ton. So like, I'm curious, do you think because of his 
you know, where he grew up, where he played minor at junior hockey, like would the Canucks be actual front runners? Do you think on a situation like this? I don't want to say front runners. Cause I, I think, you know, I'm probably going to be the person that people are expecting to be closest to this situation. So I want to be careful with what I say. Um, I don't want to say they're front runners because clay has a lot of options, including staying they're serious at, contenders though. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think the Canucks are gonna make a serious offer, but Clay still has to decide. He hasn't decided yet, as far as I know, if he wants to finish his degree. He's at an Ivy League school, and he's on a scholarship. So, you know... Yeah, you know what? A good school, too. You know who uh, an alumni of Dartmouth is? Who? Dr. Seuss. The writer... the Dr. Seuss, the author and illustrator. Thanks, man. You That's know who nice. else? Who else? From The Office. Mindy Cowling, is that how you say Kaling. 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 She's a She's a Dartmouth <laughs> alumna. Dartmouth! Dartmouth. Also, someone pointed out the way you say bagels. Okay, I'm not crazy. saying that word because I think bagel. I s- you say bagel. Bagels. Bagels. What's wrong with that? Bagel. Bagels. No, no, no. The, 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 there's a hint of it in there. Bagel. No, I don't want to say it anymore. Say it again. No, it's, I'm not saying it anymore. I'm not buying them anymore. I switched to English muffins. I'm not, that's all I'm doing now. <laughs> Just to avoid saying it. Meryl Streep, another uh, alumnus. Oh, my gosh. Okay, we're done. We're done looking up uh, Dartmouth alum here. Let me see if I maybe if I find one more I'll give this you. This is so off the rails. I don't even know how we got on this topic. Oh, it's good. You're you're the prospects guy. You can carry this segment. Yeah, I don't know any of these other people. <laughs> Regardless, that's all I wanted to say. Uh, Clay Stevenson, link to the Canucks and many other teams. We'll close it out there though. Do you have anything else to add Man, to my Dartmouth sport? Dartmouth is so old. <laughs> this is like a your mom joke. Dartmouth is so old <laughs> that one of their alumni's photos is like a painting. Of the dude, <laughs> a lot of them were just like pictures of them out, and you know when they're getting, you know, photos taken of them. This is like a painting of a person. <laughs> okay, can we close it out, please? No, there's um, you're going to watch a prospect uh, tomorrow night too. Yes, big name, Michael Wood. <laughs> What's his name? Matthew Wood. <laughs> Matthew Wood. I'll see him. Good Victoria kid. Yeah, I'll be Went able to, to see him. Uh, same high school that I did. Wow, Nanaimo District Secondary School. I'm going to go watch them next month, too. I'm going back to Nanaimo. So. That'll be good. A weekend off. You're going to have the... You and Josh are going to be on the radio show together that weekend. Oh, you're you're leaving? Yeah, the whole weekend. Oh, boy. Yep. Should be should be interesting. Yeah, if Josh starts pulling this mayonnaise on steak talk that he brought last time, kick him out. Yeah, I might have to. All right, we'll close it out there. For my co-host, Chris Faber, my name is David Quadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim?